there's also an article that this is very unsurprising. The research came back that old people do post way more fake news than everyone else. Oh, uh, they don't give a fuck anymore. Like that old hack comic premise. Unfortunately, that also applies to like fact checking and basic curation of their news feed. So yeah, they're going to post a QAnon thing where JFK Jr. is actually fucking Rob Thomas from Matchbox 20. I don't know. <laughs> Pizzagate where we go one, we go all. Uh, anyway, my grandkids don't talk to me. <laughs> uh, it was it was by something like double the amount of fake news posts if you're 65 plus compared to 40 to 65. And then the 40 to 65 was something like one and a half times that of people below 40. Beautiful. Yeah, they don't care. They don't care anymore, <laughs> assuming they ever did because they were boomers in the first place. As society's always just told them like, hey, first try, no warm up every single time. <laughs> so now they look around and they ignore through selection bias all the shit that doesn't make any, that doesn't agree with them instantly. And then they find shit that's like, AOC is gay and a communist and Islamic and <laughs> dating your daughter and then they send it to everyone. Welcome everyone to Dumb and Awful. It's just myself and Rob today, so you're going to have to wait yet another week for John's incredible intro. Hopefully next yeah, week. Yeah, John, John's actually down in the hollers of Kentucky right now, uh, teaching people to program uh, unsupported patch updates for Crunchyroll. <laughs> Doing the Lord's work. You know, what if the, it answers the question, what if today's Da Vinci developed in the hollers and then dedicated that to anime backend programming? That's John's dream, and we're glad he's chasing it. Can't wait to have you back. God bless. So he'll be back next week when we will start doing deep dives on some of the 2020 candidates for the Democratic Party. Um, so next week, we'll do Elizabeth Warren. Just keep an eye out for that one. In the meantime, cool. this week, one of the other guys who everybody's pretty sure is going to run is getting heavily pushed by the Democratic Party and pretty much every journalist in their sway, Beto. Decided he was going to insta live from the dentist. I don't know what to say about this one. It's bad. It, it's real bad. <laughs> That's what one can say. It sucks and it's bad. I don't it's, like it. That's that is that is taking. This is like a meme within a meme. Like the Steve Buscemi "Hello, fellow kids" or whatever. Mm -hmm. That within the Vince McMahon one, where. In the first one, he's like, huh? And the second one, he's like, oh. And the third one, he's like, oh. <laughs> Memes explained through audio. <laughs> anyway, imagine the Buscemi one is in the top left panel, right? And uh -huh, then something uh -huh. is in the mid left panel. I don't know, TBD. And in the bottom left is this idea. It's the hello fellow kids would be Instagram uh, instant pot. Instagram live where you ask or you respond to questions from constituents and people around the world about your policy. And Beto went, oh, Instagram living stuff. I get it. Well, what if instead of cooking food, 
I was at the dentist. That's even better. And then he did it and no one stopped him. It's just so lazy. It's like, like they, to they, they isolated doing a verb on Instagram is what people really respond to. Like Elizabeth Warren at least sort of teased out that, oh, it's humanizing to see someone prepare food and talk candidly. And so she did that and she added a Michelob Ultra, which like, okay, good effort. I see where you're going. <laughs> and Beto went, no, I can do that too. Check it out. I'm at my dental hygienist and she's going to talk to me while I bear my... Nobody has the... Con like, it's so unrelatable because no one has the confidence to film themselves in a dentist chair. That's a level of tooth privilege that... <laughs> Like, it is so obnoxious to think that you're so confident, so narcissistic, so sociopathic to kick back and be like, yeah, me in this dentist chair, not vulnerable at all. Broadcast this to everyone. It's time to talk border policy. That's Patrick Bateman level psycho. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm Steve Scalise. I'm here getting my colonoscopy. Uh, <laughs> and I'm here to also talk about the the... The debt ceiling. And you know what? When it comes to the debt ceiling or this tube that is currently being pushed you know, at an accelerating pace into my rectum, on either one, I will not flinch. <laughs> anyway, let's get those hearts rolling. <laughs> it's just, it's an incredible choice, too. He's a toothy man. Maybe don't bring more attention to it, buddy. And all, all, all of this was a setup for him to turn around and be like, hey, by the way, my hygienist is Mexican. So we're going to talk to her about Mexico. I was like, what? That's what this conversation is? Yo, check this out. I'm here at the Best Western in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And there's a Spanish person here. Anyway, <laughs> Instagram Live, tell me your, your struggles. <laughs> it's his ongoing series of border stories. I think that's what he's calling it. And none of them conclude with any sort of like thoughts on policy or things we should do. It's just like, hey, brown people are humans too. It's like, yeah, no, that's, I, that's, a, that's a good... Important point to make. Missives from the border. <laughs> Today, I cleaned Beto O'Rourke's teeth. <laughs> These indignities cannot continue. Vice news. He hasn't announced still, but it was it was interesting to see that that immediately got hyped up by everyone in the party. Uh, so at this point, it's become pretty clear that that's who they're throwing their weight behind. That's so insane that you would hype that up. Oh, no. Of all things. That is the least relatable. That really is consultants just going like, okay, one of our consultants really fucked up by telling them this is okay. Back them up on this one. And when you say Pokemon, go to the polls. Uh, we'll, we'll be there for you. All right. So just get in line on this one. <laughs> Did you see... The Wall Street donor solicitation cycle has begun for 2020. Yep, all of the shitty candidates that pose no threat to the actual establishment, uh, they all get Wall Street money, because why wouldn't they? That's the most reliable funding stream for people that care about upholding the current neoliberal establishment. So, yeah, it's as bad as we all think, people. Yep. Great. The main three are uh, Gillibrand, Booker, and Harris. It originally started with an article that came out that Jill Brandt's calling around to Wall Street firms trying to get money in preparation for running. And then when she got called out for it, I appreciate her response. Her response was, uh, which she tweeted, quote, what's important are the facts of my record. Co-sponsor the financial transaction tax, support reinstating a new Glass-Steagall Act, voted against the bank bailout twice, 
all while representing New York. It's one of those things where, all right, Gillibrand, either you are getting money from people and giving them nothing in return and are actually fucking them, and they're just the dumbest Wall Street people alive, or way more likely, you're giving something up in return, right? They're not going to bet on you for nothing. They're not going to give you uh, about a million a pop for your most recent campaign and get nothing out of it. So while those votes are good, absolutely, I, I appreciate that record, eh, it makes me think that something else is going on here. Wall Street is not known for throwing a lot of money at people who give them nothing in return. That, that, yes. is, that isn't how that interaction works. They don't give you millions of dollars and then you vote against them. For instance, Elizabeth Warren, for all the people who might want to complain about her for various issues um, that she's not great on, Wall Street's not giving her millions of dollars. There's yeah, no although, that. yeah, she was a Republican into her 40s and pushed a responsible capitalism bill. So I'm not sure Elizabeth Warren is necessarily the, the great uh, democratic socialist or more that we would all like. I wouldn't I'm not call sure. her I'm not, I'm not sure Elizabeth Warren at this point, maybe not to Joe Biden levels, but I'm just not convinced that she is someone that is in any way interested in appending the current sort of class structure. That I would agree with. I Somehow, though, her worldview doesn't want to append the class structure, but she fucking loves going after the banks. And that I do think is completely authentic. That woman hates fucking Wall Street, and that is one of the few things I like about her. We'll get into that more next week, but this is one in which, like, Wall Street not giving her money is for a reason, because she goes after them hard. If they're giving money to these other people, then it's a safe bet that they're probably not going after Wall Street, right? Cory Booker being the number one person here who takes money from them. Holy shit, he took in easily of all the, the, the candidates who are planning to run, although who knows, we might get up to another 10 or 20 that Corey we don't know Booker about. Cory Booker is the absolute worst. Not... It's unbelievable that he could do so little and still somehow be the absolute worst. Like, he's surrounded in New York and New Jersey with really bad politicians. Chuck Schumer is right across the river. Yep. And yet, something about Cory Booker, that he's just like, the, the TED Talk mentality brings that just like, hey guys, what if you could innovate homeless people into homeless customers? And it's like, no. I, like the enthusiasm's good, but it's all channeled the wrong way. Like, of course he's taking Wall Street money. I don't know I, what he wants. So anything that he does, I'm like, okay, that just, that helps me humanize him more somehow. I appreciate the dogs in the background crying the minute you start talking about what Booker is for. <laughs> so there's no reason why anyone should have seen this, but Cory Booker, the Post reported this week that he was seen attending a movie with Rosario Dawson. And it just, I just had the, the instinctive, like my internal monologue just went like, please don't. Not because I care about either of them, but just like, that's the most core. I don't want to see Cory Booker holding Rosario Dawson's hand at the DNC and like being a VP behind Joe Biden or something. It's just every step Cory Booker takes from the very first time he was shoveling snow in front of six local news cameras at Newark while their schools failed and their economy collapsed. Like from that to now, everything he does just seems so transparent. I, I can't stand it. Oh, he is the epitome of the politician who's out there to be famous and get on TV. He might love Rosario Dawson, but just please don't do it. Cause I don't want to have to think about that because I'm, I'm, you're so 
whatever Cory Booker is, that can you just leave everyone else alone, please? He's can you fu- marry an app? Can you marry a Silicon Valley thinkers conference? Can Davos be made into an anime girl that you then get into a poly relationship with? Just <laughs> stay away from other humans, you weirdo. Booker has the same problem that um, a lot of these other Democratic candidates do. So it's sort of a broader issue for 2020, which is the third-way Democrats and the Clintonite type Dems have held control of the party so for so long, and they have so suffocated out any younger members or any sort of progressives that all of the younger Democratic politicians with any sort of positions of power, your Gillibrands, your Bookers, your Harrises, are just incredibly cynical human beings. Uh, I would even put Beto in that. Like, it is difficult to discern what they believe in at all. It's been difficult to ever see them stick their necks out, right? Uh, their entire careers, each of them, I think, plays sort of the same role of they will do one or two things that make that they can uh, build a brand of being progressive around when they talk to progressives. But outside of that, they're largely going to make sure they never stick their neck out. They're not going to put a stake in the ground. They're not going to bang the drum for any issue. They're going to pick things that aren't difficult, uh, that aren't particularly contentious, and try to make their bones off of that. So that way they're always likable, right? Everything for them is about like being likable and just keep moving up the ranks. And it's really yeah. depressing to look at. Like they've internalized the third way politics so fully that they're just empty uh, sociopaths vying for more power. And it's fucking depressing, right? So we have that. And then we have the really old Dems, which there's still a little bit of variation because some of them came in well before the Clintonite shit happened. I say this is the issue of. Uh, the sort of shit Pelosi's been doing in the House that we've talked about before, where if you squeeze out every young person uh, in the party who's trying to grow um, and develop a new perspective or push certain policies, what you're left with is the ones that go along with it, the ones that like bow to the uh, the, the power brokers. And those are not the people you want representing us. In terms of actual candidates on the Democratic side or people that aren't running as GOP candidates, right? It's just Bernie. Like Bernie is the only one that actually is proposing policies that append or even move the needle against the current uh, class system we have. I don't know. That that was something that they covered on the the last beep beep lettuce. (laughs) Like they went over the candidates and they're just like, there's only one that actually is proposing policies. It doesn't matter what their personality is or where they're, they're from or their background or their race. There's only one that has policies that challenge the the current capitalist very real system and that's bernie sanders so all of this 2020 stuff can be extremely frustrating in the interim because it's people squabbling over which permutation of a bad idea they think should be implemented it just makes it excruciating anyway beep beep lettuce good podcast probably go listen to that one just stop right now (laughs) honestly if you're here um do me a favor and just just go listen to Beep Beep Lettuce. It's a good one. Um, they're really surprisingly lower followers on Twitter than I thought because they're so good. Like, I thought they'd have, like, you know, I don't know, a ton of that. I don't know. That's a weird thing. The You ever really enjoy a podcast and then you check their Twitter numbers and they're low and you're like, hmm, I guess this really compelling point on social justice wasn't as valid. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's falling into the trap that uh, popularity uh, makes them more or less right. 
I know it, it's such a trap, but like I feel yeah. like everyone. I mean, Pod Saves at, America is fucking useless, and they have a bajillion listeners. Yeah, it's like the Mister Show thing where they're like Einstein. A real Einstein broke his hell, and then he invented relativity. That's why he's an Einstein. <laughs> like, he's got more money than you, is better than. Like, I realize when I hear, like, some a really good podcast, or I read a really good article by someone, and I click, and they have low followers, I, just, I know it's a trap, but I'm still like, damn, they did that all despite having such low followers. <laughs> <laughs> like it's which by the way that's yet another way that we've covered this before on the podcast that i am like jesus christ which is uh, here i am surprised by the fact that a class of person could do good it's like the good samaritan story where they're like get this this guy was at the side of the road and two normal people didn't help him and then the samaritan you know those pieces of shit they came by <laughs> And you're not going to believe it. The Samaritan, someone from Samarsha, <laughs> those garbage <laughs> humans. <laughs> One of them helped out, but that I know, but that really happened. And, and anyway, um, what a story, huh, guys? Anyway, I'm Jesus Christ. That's me right now talking about beep beep lettuce. <laughs> So yeah, that that's me hearing a good podcast from Anna about the politics of food or beep beep about electoralism and being like, damn, inspiring. Only 4,000 followers. <laughs> with, with a little hard work, if they keep this up, they can be a thought leader, you know, like Bun B, 1.6 million followers. <laughs> rest in peace pimp c the follower thing is such a, a fucking trap i love it the minute you start ordering too much about that is when you see somebody with like a hundred thousand followers who's tweeting stuff like how dare you sir you should step down this instant the russians elected you every time trump posts you're like a hundred thousand so nothing means anything cool yeah that's also speaking of beep beep lettuce that was another thing they covered on their last <laughs> podcast. Guys, welcome to, to Talking Beep Beep. It's the post Beep Beep show where we talk what uh, was covered on Beep Beep Lettuce. Sir Hands, number 19. Solid episode, but you guys knew that already if you're here. Um, they talked about how, <laughs> despite how annoying it is to counter that constantly and to have people that are just like, no, sir, you are a fascist. You kind of have to do that. And you definitely have to do that on the left, right? Because on the right, so much stuff is astroturfed and funded and backed because it's backing moneyed status quo right. interests. And the slide to fascism, especially as things get worse and worse, fascism becomes more and more alluring. It's a dynamic, it's an institutional structure that benefits them. The system points everything in the direction of fascism. So even though it's annoying and you're like, ah, they're dumb Nazis, like who gives a shit? We thought that for the last 60 years and now Nazis are back. And so they talked about on Beep Beep about how you actually do have to get out and confront them. And that when you consume leftist media, you have to do it in an active way. You know, you have to actually support them. You have to donate. You have to rate and subscribe and all that. You have to do activism 
you know, you have to meet up because otherwise nothing gets done. If you aren't constantly saying Nazis are insane, then at some point people just normalize Nazis. If you oh, aren't no. constantly backing up, you know, the sometimes anodyne or dumb or boring or embarrassing production of the left, some leftist production is better than none. And it's our burden on the non-moneyed <laughs> revolutionary side to just keep doing that. It's pretty thought-provoking. I mean, for sure, listen to the version on Beep Beep, not my summary of it. Again, <laughs> episode number 19, Sir Hans. I, I don't disagree with that point. I just mean the people doing the like, sir, please step down. You're doing evil things. Like, It's so hard to support that over just, just dunk on them. Just like You don't need to do the like weird decorum thing or act like an awkward noble in the 18th century uh, yelling at someone else. Like, that's, a, that's fucking weird. That's a weird put on, man. You don't need to do that. Just it's funny you bring that up because that was also in episode <laughs> 19 of Beep Beep's uh, great podcast uh, episode title Sir Hands because one of them proposed that the answer <laughs> was anytime you're faced with them you should accept their premises and spool it out to its logical conclusion so instead of saying like fascist, no that's crazy liberal. that's fascist yeah yeah fascist saying like okay when you confront people instead of doing the hey uh, you sir an orange orangutan fascist in chief you should say okay let's say we take your ideas what if this is true it's like doing conservative improv. Like, if this is true, what else is true? If some races are better than others and there's limited resources, what else is true? And very quickly, they expose themselves for the absolute racist psychopaths they are. But uh, one of the members of the podcast, Bryn at Kinematography, said that she had more of your take, which is actually, fuck that. Just dunk on them. Constantly don't engage logically at all. Uh, even you saying, sir, logically, you violated the emoluments clot. Like, just don't even fucking engage. Don't give them the time of day. Make them social prize. Fuck them. Don't waste your time. This is something where I think you and I actually have a lot of experience with. They're I'm, not in good faith, so don't exactly. waste your time. Or I think you and I just having grown up in Florida and lived in the South and me being in the military as well. Like, that's all I dealt with were people who, people who maybe you could convince them. So the sort of like. Let's call them like business wing Republicans or people vaguely aware of politics. Like, all right, I get engaging with them. But the one saying really heinous shit, like, there's no point. Uh, I actually, way back in the day when you and I were working at uh, that security company in Tallahassee. Do you remember one, the alarm company? There was a dude that I, I worked with on a few shifts who was this uh, former army guy who got out. I think he did his four years immediately after high school. So he was like 22, 23. And at one time we were talking about, I think it was CHIP was up, the child healthcare stuff. And there was something going on with that bill where there was the, the constant debate the Republicans have about whether or not children deserve to have healthcare for any reason. And we were going back and forth on it. And he said, Darwin should just take over. The strongest will survive. And so I did, I did the original thing of like, yes, and so, so how's that going to work? It was like, you know, I mean, you just let kids go out there and like, if they get sick, they get sick. And if they don't, like, those are the strong ones. I was like, so to be clear, let me make sure I'm understanding. Children getting ill, don't help them. Just let them die. The really strong ones, though, those will survive. I was like, yeah. I was like, does that include the rich children? He was like, yeah, of course. I was like, so rich children also don't get medicine. He was like, uh, no, they wouldn't get medicine either. I was like, okay, so no one gets health care of any kind. Only the strong survive. I was like, and that's not insane to you. He was like, no, bro. I mean, that's how it should be. Only the strong survive. 
Like there's no, there's no, you don't spool it out long enough where they're like, bury, that's insane. Bury your insulin in the backyard. Just force yourself into a fallout universe for no reason at all. Exactly. It's the same thing that always happens when you spool it out. I did this a ton in the military too, because you get bored and you're like, tell me your insane beliefs, sir. Let me, let me hear it. And what you always end up getting into is they, they clearly reach the point at which the things they're saying are completely fucking insane and they know it and you know it. But they are so unwilling to admit it or admit any defeat whatsoever or even admit for a second that perhaps what they're saying might be a little bit batshit and they could reel it in a touch uh, or just back off whatever ridiculous point they made in the first place. They just double down, right? Like they're usually so deep in they double down. And this was pre-Trump. Now those people have gone completely off the reservation. You can't even engage in the first place in yes and. They're just yelling at you about their shitty beliefs uh, and unless you are aggressively agreeing with them, there's there's no conversation to be had. Like well, there's because there's no utility in you actually agreeing with them. Because the reason you get into conspiracy theories is that you can just sort of sup on the feeling of superiority that comes with not being one of the sheeple. Like you have the arcane insider knowledge. Yep. Your odd idiosyncratic erudition has led to you stumbling upon these secrets and your enlightenment is something that the sheeple cannot understand. So, I mean, admittedly that same, uh, the same principle applies to some people on the left as well, right? They get into socialism, especially a decade ago, because it is that archaic erudite, erudite thing where like, you know, something all these other plebeians don't understand. Right. And it lets you feel superior. You still get that with some leftists. You still get the like where the, part of the reason they're interested seems to be that they get to hold it over other people and feel better about themselves. Which is oh, really yeah. The that's that is not a useful praxis to use a word that I hear and repeat <laughs> like a child. I have no to, idea what that word means. I'll be I'll be totally honest. I still I don't understand. Do. I've looked I it do. up 10 times. I still don't know how the fuck to use it in a sentence. I'm not going to explain it to you, though. That is praxis. That's the only way I know how to use it in a sentence, which is useless. Potatoes in a sack, you see, the French farming class. Um, anyway, a lot of complicated theory that is not going to win over uh, people in America who might otherwise have socialist tendencies. Like, if you want to impress Americans, the way to go is definitely not to make it a book reading competition. Yep. It was fucking lame during Book It. I don't care how many personal <laughs> pan pizzas you get. It was lame then. It's lame now. And working class people and fucking lower class people who are suffering now because of the current neoliberal capitalist class, they need something that doesn't require that much reading. So, yeah, I'm with you. I hate this whole like I like being a leftist because. I like knowing about a band that nobody else knows about yet. And if it gets popular, I'll actually be bummed. These people are not helpful. No, not at all. Also, I was one of those kids who was super into Book It, and I still find it obnoxious. That There's got to be an easier way to understand this shit. I went down to the library, and I was like, today's the day. Today's the day I read economic theory. And I went to the economic theory section, and I grabbed the first book, and I cracked it open in the middle, and it was like, all the oceans are going to be lemonade. And I was like... This shit's wild. Never again. And I put it up and I put it back on the shelf and I haven't read a book since. So smart, smart. Speaking of people that refuse to read things, Trump had a speech this week. Uh, honestly, I didn't watch it. 
I don't really need to hear geriatric babble incoherently about immigrants and conspiracy theories. I got enough of that in my childhood growing up in Florida. Really no interest in hearing more of it. I did find it interesting to see some of the reactions to it. So he or gives the reactions to it. So he gives this big speech. Um, and then the Democratic response was Chuck and Nancy uh, did it. Th- that was so bad. That one was awful. That was so the just the visuals of it. They, that's how you know that none of the consultants around them are worth the money they're getting paid at all. Because they looked like two people who were mad at you for smoking weed. Like the why were they shoulder to shoulder? Do, were they fighting with each other, Iannucci Veep style, over uh, who was going to be at the podium at any given moment? Or did they actually think that was a natural and human pose to take while dressing the nation? They've been in that's power for like so, 40 years. They probably thought it was natural. Like that was that was straight up. That's so insane. That was like a 72-year-old crazy person who's president saying some batshit stuff about immigrants. And then a 78-year-old Pelosi and a 60-year-old Schumer got up to respond to him like why would anybody expect them to have the pulse of the nation or like it, know how to speak human speech it's so bad it so my dad who actually he has a really good he has a good his fingers on the pulse of these sort of political things he always complained that in like the 70s the progressive people of the country the, the democrats essentially they were associated with jane fonda they were uh his words not mine they were like the pussies Right, they were the like art beret wearing, uh, anti Vietnam type guys, right? And the Republicans were the guys who are like, hell yeah, let God sort them out. So if you were just a dumbass rube whose vote counts as much as anyone else, there is no reason why you would be drawn on a purely aesthetic basis to the Jane Fonda wing, right? Mm-hmm. Especially at that time, there's nothing alluring about that. Well. There is something inherently alluring, especially the young men, about the like, we're going to get them. We got to protect. This is a fortress under siege. America got to fight the commies, right? It's slightly different, but the way that fucking Chuck and Nancy looked leering over that podium, I I can't imagine a single person that takes in that visual and goes like, damn, I want to agree with those two. I'm going to listen to them because I want to be on their side. You know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you mean. It's- like there's nothing. They're, they're not the, you know, the Jane Fonda uh, feet uh, thing. That's not the problem. That was like a very 1960s, like you're not mad enough toxic masculinity thing. For us, it's more like the society and the culture has moved on. And these two just seem like school marms that are here to advocate for your suspension. It's not appealing. Oh, well, they were saying um, amazingly inspiring things like the president has chosen fear. We want to start with the facts. People love facts because it allows you to increase the potency of your rhetoric, which is something that blue collar people who are being squeezed out of the middle class and into a very tenuous living situation where a single emergency will be catastrophe for them and their entire family and every loved one they know. I'm sure they really love having the facts there to arm them, Nancy. They run into the same issue that like the whole fact check media group does as well, which is you want to counter what the president is saying, right? And, and say like, this is bad shit. None of this is accurate. But he's still speaking to real concerns and fears, right? People are getting squeezed. They know that. 
They don't entirely know why he's offering them an explanation. It's a fucking crazy one. It's a racist one. It's preying on their fears. And Chuck and Nancy and most of the media establishment are going, well, see, here's the facts. Here's why he's wrong. It's like, that's great. Well, what is actually going on? And that they can't do because then they're forced to explain why it is they're supporting the system that is, in fact, fucking these people. Because at the end of the day, all these people are status quo types, right? They don't want anything to really change. So they have nothing. They can't counter the president with like, no, that's not accurate. Immigrants aren't the ones causing these problems. They're coming from the rich who we Democrats have often supported above you. Sorry about that, guys. Right. They're coming from uh, the fact that all the money's funneling up, that every time we have an economic downturn, you guys lose and we just funnel more of the money to them. Right. They can't do any of that. They can't talk about the structural issues that people are are experiencing and living day to day and getting crushed by the system that we have. Instead, they just have to go, oh, yeah, technically that's a lie. Uh, the, they actually don't drive cars over the border. And you're like, yeah, no, that's not really the fucking point, though, is it? The point is they're scary. They're going to cause more bad things to happen. Bad things have already been happening to people and they need someone to blame. Like, if you're not going to offer a counter to that, then why the fuck are you up there? This reminds me of a, a tweet by Chad Vigorous, who's at Pretty Bad Lefty on Twitter. Um, he has a really good thread, but it starts with any nuanced analysis of white identity politics and the rise of neo-fascism has to be willing to engage with the reality that they are at least partially rooted in material anxieties. Sure. So the stat quo Democratic Party has no interest in addressing those material anxieties in any meaningful way because that would be such a dramatic upheaval of the the current social and financial order. So they have to pretend like the thing that is so clearly bad is racism, right? Is demagoguery. That is something that can be totally divorced from those material concerns. Because if you attack him on the reality of the situation, then you're complicit. If you just say like, hey, you know what, fact check, actually most of the illegal aliens, like you, like already buying into his frame, most of the illegal aliens come through on helicopters. Like that is so complicit on every level yeah. that I'm not even sure it rises to the level of meaningful resistance. It absolutely does not. And once you, the combination of that plus uh, the media's tendency to do the both sides shit because they're so terrified so terrified of being criticized uh, from the right for being liberal because they are vaguely liberal uh, that you end up with takes like the one from the AP that this actually to me perfectly crystallizes the problem with modern media and how they interact with the two parties and, and just sort of centrism as a thought in general. AP fact check. Democrats put the blame for the shutdown on Trump, but it takes two to tango. Trump's demand for $5.7 billion for his border wall is one reason for the budget impasse. The Democrats' refusal to approve the money is another. One that's not a fact check. There's no fucking facts involved in that one to say like, hey, these two are arguing. Yeah, no shit. Two, how is, how is putting those two next to each other and creating a premise in which they are equal, how is that a, a positive way to interact with this problem? Right? How, how is that doing due diligence or doing these, this shit that you claim to be doing, which is like, maintaining journalistic integrity and bringing uh, its truth to the situation. It's doing none of those, right? All you're doing is, is you're perpetuating the same problem we've always had, which is both of these 
these parties and these groups are equally bad and evil. And at that point, that just plays into Trump's hand. That plays into the fascist hands. Every time you do that, it makes it easier and easier to move things further right. I'm just thinking about how you said centrism as a thought. And I was like, damn, what if centrism was a thought? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait a second. That's actually the Democrats' primary party platform. What if centrism was a thought? <laughs> And I got real sad, but then I started thinking about centrism's nice-ass titties. <laughs> That's Beto's platform, where centrism was a thought. Anyway, my point is, vote for Elizabeth Warren. Centrism <laughs> is a thought. <laughs> I, I do think a lot of the reason you run into this bullshit is, uh, in no small part, just because of language, right? The, these people, if you define yourself a centrist or moderate, then you are defining yourself uh, in reaction to what other people are doing, right? What is moderate is always, by definition, uh, somewhere in yeah, between. Yeah, it's having no beliefs. Exactly. It's having no beliefs at all. It's having a dynamic, it's having a fetish for being in the middle. Exactly. It, and no actual ideology beyond what the middle producing media generates for you. This is like Noam Chomsky, 1978, I told you were you were a dumbass 40 years ago. Fucking get it together, guys. What are we doing? <laughs> exactly. Uh, luckily, Chuck and Nancy weren't the only people doing the responses. Bernie did a response as well. That was, I mean, a pretty Bernie response. He hammered the same stuff he, he he's always hammered. That man is super on message always, which I appreciate, which is because he actually believes it. It's inspiring it is. to see someone that you know that he gets up four o'clock every morning and he's done. I mean, by the time you're having lunch, he's already done six, seven hours of sexism. And yet he's still <laughs> up that late doing responses. <laughs> so we had Bernie. So we got we got another 70 plus year old doing a response. And then AOC also got on MSNBC. And that one was good to see uh, a fiery response to this bullshit that hit on the systemic problems, and clearly did not accept any of the dumbass premises being tossed out. It, and it's one of those, and I, you, you can see it uh, in a lot of the media, as, or a lot of social media, as people react to these things. Everyone is always surprised every time AOC does this stuff. I shouldn't say surprised. There just seems to be the sense of like, oh, shit, this is so nice. Uh, this is what it looks like to have like an actual progressive politician with with vigor and conviction. And every time I think that, it's so fucking damning of what the Democratic Party has been for the last 30 years. Like that. Yeah, no, I, I, I tried listening to the 538 podcast recently, and I, <laughs> it's so tough. Like the, the woman on there is actually pretty good, but the other guys are so bad. It's all just like the personality traits and aesthetics of the candidates. And they almost treat policy as like, something that's entirely superfluous which if you look at the candidates that the major two parties have run over the last while that's not a crazy i mean i understand how they got that mentality but that's why people refuse to understand bernie's allure because they're so convinced that politics is well bob dole's clearly an alpha but is bill clinton more empathetic like it's just propose policies people like, and you can be Bernie Sanders, who literally is the guy from Weekend at Bernie's. That's him. He died several years ago, and somehow he <laughs> keeps showing up and winning caucuses, right? Like, nobody is 
there's no allure to Bernie. It's just we like his policies. Yeah, no. And it's just insane that that doesn't come up on political discussions because of how broken our system has been by media and money. There was a really good uh, statement made by Pam Keith. She ran for office in Florida a few times uh, on the Democratic side <clears throat> that sort of illuminates this. She said, I am supporting the candidate whom I believe has the best chance of winning, period. Not the one who agrees with me the most. Not the one I personally like. Not the one who will make history. My country's at risk of collapse. I'm willing to take no risks. Hashtag Beto 2020. And that to me is like, that is the encapsulation of the democratic belief system. I'm not going to vote for somebody that I, that agrees with me or has policies I support. No, no, no. That, that has nothing to it. And I'm not, I have no integrity and I'm proud of that. And then, logic. And then you get to like, I'm willing to take no risks. And it's like, yeah, that is the democratic platform, right? We're going to put out something that is bland and as inoffensive as possible. And that's how we're going to win. You know who takes no risks? Extremely comfortable people that yeah. the system is set up for. And it's all, all of this is based on this premise that they fucking know. They can look at the entire field and they know who has the best chance of winning. Just like they knew Trump wasn't going to make it out of the primaries. And they knew Hillary was going to win. It's almost like your uh, the, the inside Beltway belief system is bullshit. And you guys have no fucking idea what plays well or doesn't and you're flying as blind as the rest of us and if that's the case then do the morally right thing you fucking monsters yeah <laughs> all right all right guys in conclusion uh make sure to uh rate leave a review subscribe to beep beep lettuce <laughs> um it's a great podcast they're good make sure to to follow uh kinematography Good opinion haver, total hack, and argument winner uh, on Twitter. Support their Patreon. <laughs> Check out. I think there's a Facebook group too. Uh, anyway, uh, support leftist stuff and fuck our lives and our body politics. <laughs>